Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ish Adaranmu. Hello. Hello. Writer, law student, uh, winner of a National Magazine Award for a terrific piece in Toronto Life that people should go check out. Welcome. Thank you, Jesse. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm excited to talk with you today. Today we're going to talk about the case against Desmond Cole. The Toronto Star takes their best shot. We'll see if they landed any punches. Also, the CBC does not like your tone, mister. They will not be cleaning up the public's sludge anymore, so Facebook comments are now permanently closed. I have comments about that. Hope you do too. Welcome to Shortcuts-ish, where we talk shit about the news. So this episode of Canada is brought to everyone by thousands of supporters who can now Listen to ad-free Canada Land directly on Spotify. That is a much-requested feature that we did not permanently have. Spotify did not make that available to actually, like, get a premium feed where you get bonus content and ad-free Canada Land on Spotify. Now you can do it, and you can get that as easily as you can get any of our other premium feeds when you click on the show notes or go to canadaland.com slash join. This is where, during this crowdfunding month, I have been going through our last year and talking about why we are worth your support and what we've done in the past year to earn it. I think what I'm going to say today to those of you who are thinking about supporting, who've heard me make this case and are still on the fence, and also to those of you who are supporting us already and maybe you're considering upgrading to get all of our shows ad-free or just because you want to upgrade your support, or to existing supporters uh, as we ask you to go out there and like just talk about why you support us, because that does help us get more support and get to our goals. I'm not going to do that today. I'm not going to go through our greatest hits of the last 12 months. Today, I'm just going to ask you to, like, judge us by this episode. If you're thinking about supporting us, listen to this episode. Listen to the conversation we're going to have. Ask yourself if you're hearing conversations like this anywhere else. Ask yourself if you learned anything uh, or if this is valuable to you. And if it is, we do need your support to keep doing it. So hit that link and support us and we'll give you stuff. And that's what we'll try today. So let's give it a shot. Thank you. Okay, Ish, our story today begins shortly before Halloween when my old Twitter buddy, John Kay, he tweets this, this very intriguing teaser tweet. There's an absolutely dynamite Toronto Star column that I'm told will run in the next few days. I've read it, a candid and unvarnished description of how Desmond Cole's activism is viewed by the Toronto black community itself. 
says the things that no one is supposed to say. Wow. <laughs> did, did you see that tweet? <laughs> yes, I did. I did. What did you think when you read that tweet? What was your first impression? Um, it was interesting to hear, you know, this claim about the black community coming from Jonathan Kay, one. And two, why would he know about this piece? Yeah. Right? He, he talked about, I believe he, he, he wrote a tweet that mentioned it being held up since June or something like that. And um, so that was just, that's just strange, right? I, I don't think that's proper. I mean, I had those thoughts too, like, well, that was kind of a bit more granular. Like, I guess I, I definitely wondered, like, why is John Kay reading unpublished Toronto Star columns? Like, who's leaking or sharing right. Toronto Star shit and why? But more than any of that, I thought, damn, I wonder what they have on Desmond. You know? Right. Like, uh, like, it worked to get me interested. Sure. No, absolutely. But Coming from Jonathan Kay, it felt not very genuine to me as a member of the black community. You know, that tweet was not talking about me. Yeah. Right? That, that tweet had, had nothing to do with me. All right. Let's continue the story because days pass and the piece doesn't come out and John Kay deletes that tweet. And I want to say a couple things. I've worked with Desmond. I admire Desmond. And like, is Jesse leaping to Desmond's defense? My first thought was, you know what? Desmond is a powerful voice, mm -hmm. and he needs to be scrutinized like anybody else. And if there is something that needs to be reported here, if he's done something, mm -hmm. I will read this. If we had to, we would cover critical stuff about Desmond. Sure. Desmond is powerful in a different way than somebody who's, like, handed institutional power. Like, I think he earned his influence. Sure. But whatever. He's an influential voice. Sure. If there's something to be read, I'm going to read it. And on Sunday, mm -hmm. it's out. It drops. And... It is by Royce and James. I understand Royce and James to be maybe the senior most, kind of like a almost columnist emeritus, maybe the senior most black voice at the Toronto Star, which is the biggest newspaper in Canada. Sure. That would be accurate. That would be accurate to say for sure. He's probably in his 70s. Yeah. He's like semi-retired, but yeah. like there's a certain status that some Toronto Star personalities have where they can kind of come out when they have something to be said. And also like this idea of like, who's allowed to criticize John Kay can't say these things, but Royce and James, like this is an authoritative voice and it's teased on the front page of the Toronto Star. And then like in the front section, like I think it was on page A4, A5, like two page spread, 4,000 words. Mm -hmm. Paywalled online, right. you know, where I think most people who are like following Desmond Cole don't have Toronto Star subscriptions. Like, right. Of course not. You know? Yeah, I don't. <laughs> so like you're, what you get is you get the online headline, which is the divisive activism of Desmond Cole, how a campaign against a black judge shattered Toronto's black community. Damn. Like Desmond Cole shattered Toronto's black community. <laughs> wow. So I think that a lot of people didn't get past that. And, and then there's like a graphic where they did like some like photo art where it's edgy, like black and white photo of Desmond. Yeah. Where, where like, what did he do? Ominous sort of. What came through to me as a reader-ish, it's written in a very strange and not a direct way. Sure. So what comes across beyond the framing and the headline and the photo is the rhetoric. And the rhetoric is that Cole shattered the black community, that he has launched personal attacks, that he is daily chewed up and spat out by black people in private. Uh, we read that blood is on Desmond Cole's hands. We read that he is responsible for a judicial lynching of this judge, Justice McLeod. Mm -hmm. It's very, very yeah, uh, no, strong it's... term. He, that, that Desmond Cole claims to love black people, but he is waging a targeted, destructive, disunifying assault on his own flesh and blood. That he's like a disloyal black man. Right. Uh, so yeah. that, that punches more than like, it's work to figure out what is the drama here? Who are the players? What happened? But those things, that's not work. Like, damn, yeah, that's, that's heavy. 
yeah, those are the elements of a hit piece, right? <laughs> I, you know what? Some of these terms are used interchangeably, sure. a takedown or a hit piece. Now, a takedown might be necessary if somebody needs to be taken, like if the receipts I, are there, you know? No, no, absolutely. But a hit piece is like you set out to hit them. I, yes. I went into this not like, is this a hit piece or a takedown? <clears throat> it's it's going to be one of them. You know? Sure, no, absolutely. I mean, for me, it was very clear early on, just with the start of the article, with the punches happening right away. The other sort of very interesting piece is where Royston criticizes Desmond for targeting, you know, say, Justice McLeod or Black North. He really easily explains away the criticism. He doesn't actually talk about it, right? So, for example, the predatory bail system in the United States. Yeah. Black North, a board member, Prem Watsa, he's a huge investor in that. Desmond and L. Jones wrote critically about that. And this is what Royston James is, is referring to, right? Uh, but he explains it away as, as uh, you know, this is, you know, this is Prem Watsa trying to, like, help black people in the United States. And as someone who's lived in the United States, uh, been in prison in the United States, had to get bail in the United States, that's just a joke, right? And, and to explain it away like that just tells you something, right? This isn't journalism. I have been trying to figure out the context of this. I think I have a grip on it. Can I try to lay out my understanding of this and you tell me if I got it right? Sure. So as I like read the piece a few times to figure out like, okay, that's the rhetoric against Desmond. What are the facts in Mm -hmm. this piece? And then let me read Desmond's stuff to figure out what's actually going on here. So my understanding of what's going on here Mm -hmm. is that Desmond for some time now has been writing critical pieces of journalism about uh, a group called the Federation of Black Canadians, a lobby group that was uh, started by people like involving Donald McLeod, who is a black judge. Mm -hmm. And one of Desmond's critiques is like, wait, you're a judge, but you're involved in this lobby group? That seems like... There might be a conflict there. Mm-hmm. And does that limit your ability to advocate for black people? Like, are you a good leader of this group if you're also constrained? And what are the rules of being a judge? So that's one of the problems. But I think that there's a bigger critique that I understand Desmond and others have, which is that this Federation of Black Canadians kind of came out of nowhere with some very well-established people with lots of ties to the Liberal Party. Mm-hmm. And we're a lobby group that's advocating for black Canadians. And overnight, they're like meeting with Trudeau. They're getting federal funding. But there's nobody from Black Lives Matter involved. Mm-hmm. And uh, grassroots organizing. This is a story that's as old as time. Yeah, in, for sure. In, in movements, right? Yeah. The establishment side who want to work from the inside mm-hmm. versus people who are more radical and grassroots. And it's like the people on the inside say, we can make a change more effective from the inside. And people who are more radical or grassroots say, well, you're now a part of this system that we're trying to drastically change and you you'll never be able to make this kind of change we need. Yeah, no, that's that's accurate. I think there's a, you know, there's also a class piece there, right? Very well established, you know, influential. They sort of came up in you know, in these spaces and were successful, right? And so, you know, it's really challenging to have leaders that sort of are self-anointed you know, leaders of the black community, right? Like, yeah. Who's the leader of the black community? Who is the black community that you speak of? As I read Desmond's coverage of this, I'm like, okay, you're going to say that these are all like liberal party cronies. Well, what proof do you have? Well, like Desmond's like, well, what about uh, the organization's steering committee stakeholder relations representative, Ebian Farah? She is the wife of a Trudeau minister. So I'm like, oh, yeah, that's pretty good, right? Mm -hmm. To read Desmond's piece, there was a disconnect where I'm like, this feels like a pretty well-researched, persuasive bit of journalism writing about Mm -hmm. problems with this group. And I don't take a side. Like, I kind of get what both sides of those dynamics are saying. Sure. 
All of which is to say, like, Desmond's critique of, is this judge the right person to be doing this? Is this group too close to the Liberal Party? Those sound yeah. like the things that a journalist activist might write about, you know? Absolutely. I mean, I think it's it's, it's something that you have a responsibility to, to do that as a journalist, right? This isn't like some hard-hitting, you know, I'm going after you because of a particular reason. It's just truth and ethics and right. you know, that that's it, right? They're facts. So Royce and James, to get from the rhetoric to the factual accusations, like what did Desmond do? We read in this piece that Justice McLeod was deceived, that he had these political adversaries amongst the Black Lives Matter group and Desmond and his like his comrades, his cohorts. We keep reading about this kind of hazy group of Desmond Cole has this like yes. army. And they've deceived and entrapped the judge who thought he was having an off-the-record phone call, but in fact, Desmond was listening in from a car. Mm-hmm. But it's really hazy to me. Wait, did Desmond deceive the judge? Was Desmond, like, handed a recording or was he part of some weird sting operation? Like, I, I can't tell. And then we read about, like, what was the actual, quote-unquote, lynching of this judge was that he actually was hauled. It, the complaints were made where he had to defend whether his lobbying mm-hmm. was compatible or incompatible with him being a judge. And the first time I read the piece, I thought that, oh— did Desmond file the complaint? That does seem to me like crossing a line if you're like, I'm writing about this judge, but I'm also filing complaints against him. But then I read it again and again, and it was like, no, there was another judge. Right. Desmond wrote a piece that was the basis for the complaint. Right. I had to keep reading this. Like, what did Desmond do? Royce and James has complete latitude to say, this is what I think of Desmond, but he doesn't really use it that much. He puts it all in other people's words. Check this out. Seemingly, Cole and his cohort go out of their way to disparage and diminish black leaders. A reasonable person could conclude that Cole engaged in a campaign targeting the judge. Swathes of the black community were awash in trauma over the general conclusion that this judge's blood is on Desmond Cole's hand. It's like uh, on and on. Cole's opponents, not me, I'm not saying this. I'm not Cole's opponent. Mm -hmm. I love Desmond Cole, Mm -hmm. Royce and James writes. But Desmond Cole's opponents, they say that he and his confreres acted as the investigative arm of the Judicial Committee, undercover agents intent on trapping the judge. Aggrieved citizens described these as dirty tricks. Not me, aggrieved citizens. Uh, We hear that Cole is guilty of treachery, that he's a Judas. These were terms frequently unfurled within the black community. Mm-hmm. No, not by, we don't know by who. Right. The black community said that. Right, exactly. This is like how you protect yourself from a libel case is you put it in somebody else's words. Sure. I have a big problem with, I mean, I think that's pretty obvious that like, yeah. the more I read it, I'm just like, what the fuck is this piece? Yeah, sure. What no, is this? No, absolutely. I mean, for me, reading the piece, the length of it, where it was placed, the timing, the players, It all just felt like, you know, this was a piece written for a certain audience. I actually have seen some of these comments that Royson mentions, the Judas and these these types of things. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's all over Facebook on, you know, this there's like black Facebook as well. Right. And so the comments are there, but that's not really a that's not a measure of the black community. If there's a thread of people that are all attacking the same people. Right. I think you could draw a much more direct line to the known political, like, you know, the star is a liberal party supporting newspaper. Mm-hmm. And this group, Federation of Black Canadians, is liberal party connected. Sure. And, you know, there's a certain conservatism, small c, within liberal party dynamics. Sure. And I don't think it necessarily is anything more complicated or diabolical than the star's editorial leadership would defer to Royce and James if he's like, I'm going to speak for the black community here. Right. And I think there's such an appetite for a Desmond Cole takedown. Like, I've seen who's sharing this story gleefully. It's not just John Kay. It's like, right. I see, like, Warren Kinsella sharing this, and, and Andrew sure. Coyne is sharing. Everyone's just like, oh, look at this. And no one's actually getting into it. They're just like, here it is. Jamil Giovanni. Jamil Giovanni. It's like, like yeah. I, didn't, I didn't say it. 
uh, you know, Royce and James said it, you know, and uh, Janelle, Janelle actually, he, he says it a little, a little, a little stronger, right? He's, he says, he says, I've been saying this and I'm really glad right, 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 that right. someone's finally, we're finally seeing it and it's finally published. Look, I, I said it in the post, the star is finally doing it. Like this must mean Here it's it real. is. There's this personal element to it, both from the star. This is a really big problem. Like this happens whenever like a big, important voice emerges. It's like, okay, let's co-opt this. Let's like, let's like, sure. this is a great voice. Let's have, and then. And then Desmond Cole's got a column in the Star, but then enough with the activism. You can't be an activist and a journalist at the same time, which Canada Land documented. There are many former Toronto Star contributors who were both activists. Like these rules were the, the Desmond rules. Right. And he walked on that. So now he can't be a part of the Toronto Star. This is just how power works, man. Sure. And then there's this personal element between Royson and Desmond that comes across in the piece. I have known Desmond Cole for about a decade. In glowing and proud tones, I've introduced him to more than one audience as he received an award or delivered a keynote speech. I helped grease the path to his freelance columnist job at the Star because I felt the platform was so huge and so right for a voice like his. And I'm, I was disappointed when he chose to give up that platform. Essentially, like, no one loved Desmond or helped Desmond more right. than me. And I still love him as a Christian loves, but I don't like him anymore. And it pains me to say these things about him. There's a very strange dynamic. And then there's also some strange stuff written in the margins about how whenever Royce and James talks about his connection mm -hmm. to this Justice McLeod, he's like, in my capacity as a city columnist, I attended his launch of this group. Mm -hmm. I attended the Regent Park meeting. Part of my journalistic information, it's like he's going out of his way. I was there as a journalist. Right. I was there as a journalist. I'm like, why do you keep telling me? I would just, sure. it's like he wants you to know I'm not part of this group. He also does note that uh, they are of the same denomination, but go to different churches, right? Which is just a, you know, yeah. why, why explain that so hard? Yeah, he, he, there's a, a bit of a protest too much thing going on in this. Gone are the days, maybe, when, like, a newspaper could destroy someone with a piece like this. But this is the biggest newspaper in Canada. Mm -hmm. This is their front section. This is their front page. I think that this is an attempt to put Desmond in his place. Everything about the machinations of this, yeah. of who's saying it and what they're saying, it smacks of, like, a certain kind of journalistic malpractice and bully tactics. Yeah, it's a, you know, you know down boy, Desmond. In my, you know, short period of time, you know, being civically engaged, speaking out on anti-black racism, even in law school, like if you don't sort of like go with the way the perfect type of Negro they want you to be, you know, eventually like you're expendable if you don't want to like play the game. And so if you care about truth, which Desmond does, right, like absolute truth. At some point, you're going to become persona non grata because there's people that are performing whiteness and they've been in those spaces. And so, you know, you're in the way, right? You're someone that wants to shake up whatever they know to be the status quo. So there's also this, like, generational difference, right? So when I read that piece, I thought, you know, to be kind, I initially thought, okay, this is just, like, some journalism style from some bygone era. And... That was for, like, the first little bit. And then I was like, okay, this is, it's a hit piece wrapped in, like, some, like, soliloquy. Like, a weird piece of writing. I didn't enjoy reading the piece itself, right? For a 4,000-word long-form piece, it was just sort of, you know, I want to stuff this here, this here, this here, this here, this here. 
It's a it's very evasively constructed, mm-hmm. but it's like you could have an opinion piece where he's like, I think that this guy is insufficiently respectful of people who've done a lot of work before him. I think that he's too intransigent. I think that he's too rigid, and that would be fine. And then a reported piece of we actually have learned that he's done some things that are wrong would be fine. But this is some weird mishmash of all those things. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, the bottom line for me that I took from this was, and it's kind of explicit in a certain point. As much work as Royce and James does to say, like, oh, I'm not on the same team mm-hmm. as this judge, it, it's also clear that this is who he identifies with. And we know who Royce and James is in the community and, and what he's earned, you know? And I think that it's explicit at a certain point. If this can happen to a judge, if this judge is not above reproach, right. and Desmond and his activists can take a shot at him, right. then they could take a shot at me. And no one is safe. And those of us who have earned this status are not being shown the deference and respect, and we're feeling unsafe. And so I'm saying these things about him before he gets to me. That is well said and accurate. I've been thinking about it. So I thought like five years ago, if I were to read this piece, right? Five years ago, I would have read this piece and I would have thought, man, Desmond's an asshole, right? I wasn't super engaged politically. I wasn't that involved in any sort of activism. And so, yeah, no, absolutely. Like this piece... For the layperson that's not plugged in, Desmond's an asshole, right? And that's just not fair, right? Because that's not really, <laughs> this, this is not the story. It's not a balanced story about yeah. facts and things that are happening. And that headline and that image, and that's in his Google search, and that's from the yeah. Toronto Star, the authority, yeah. like it's... Yeah, no, no, absolutely. It was a big splash with not a lot of, not a lot of new stuff, right? A lot of the stuff was, you know, sort of out there already, right? I'll be interested to see what sticks, if anything, from this. I do think that this was a hit piece. Right. And I'm curious if the Toronto Star has the power to take someone like Desmond down. Yeah, no, that's maybe within, you know, particular circles, of course. But one really interesting thing to note is, you know, I've been at the barbershop before, and this is an interesting question that I was asked. Um, Like, what's the deal with Desmond, why is he so aggressive and going yeah. after, you know, so this is just like an interesting anecdote, right? Like it's just like out in the community and, and this is based on someone that's not plugged in and that's the sort of thought. And this is like a barbershop that Desmond's been to. And I take those tidbits and like that is, you know, when Royston James says the black community, like it could. You, you introduce some doubt, you introduce some controversy. As, yeah, and yeah. if you don't know. And so that's that's what's really dangerous about a piece like this. I would hate to have a piece like like just a piece like this that is just kind of like connecting a bunch of things about you and not really, you know, addressing what did I do wrong beyond piss off yeah. people that are more powerful than me. Ish, it's your first time joining me here on Shortcuts. And uh, one thing we do here mm-hmm. is we duly note things that uh, otherwise people might not notice. Sure. That they should notice. What do you have? So, duly noted, I've got an article that was written by Kate Dubinsky in CBC. It's about the funding that is is hit in the criminal justice system. So the Ministry of the Attorney General earmarked $72 million over two years for the sort of court clogging that the COVID has has, um, happened. Mm -hmm. The challenge, though, is... The Ministry of Attorney General stripped legal aid of $133 million back in 2018. That's the real problem. So criminal defense lawyers are saying, if you're going to put more money into the system, put it in the right place, right? So this is just another example of here's the money. We're going to earmark it, but we're going to put it towards the prosecution as opposed to fund legal aid, which is, you know, right. the fundamental. Court is in session again. We funded the prosecution, not the defense, not Correct. the legal aid. Duly noted. 
I'd like to duly note that members of the Canadian Armed Forces met with neo-Nazis in Ukraine in 2018. Are these people who have politics that I don't like, so I'm calling them neo-Nazis? No, they're (laughs) neo-Nazis. Members of the Canadian Armed Forces met with neo-Nazis in Ukraine, and instead of like, I don't know, not meeting with neo-Nazis or denouncing, no, they they, they knew what they were doing, and uh, David Pugliese at the Ottawa Citizen uh, filed an ATIP request and found that there were internal conversations where they were like, yeah, maybe we should, you know, there's probably some liability here because we're meeting with these neo-Nazis. Maybe maybe this is going to come out and, and bite us in the ass. They allowed themselves to be photographed with members of this battalion, the Azov Battalion, despite previous warnings that the unit saw itself as pro-Nazi. And there's photographs of these guys with, like, swastikas on their helmets. I don't even know what to make of this. I, I think I probably would have to learn a bit more about Ukrainian politics and Ukrainian military to figure out what possible justification there is, why our military would meet with neo-Nazis. I mean, does it really surprise you? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, that, that, that like some faction of the Canadian military would meet with neo-Nazis. I... I, I, I I I hear you. I hear you. It's surprising and shocking. But, uh, you know, I tend to sort of approach these things with not being so shocked anymore. We have neo-Nazis in Toronto, right? Marching around. You know what? If I have any kind of assumptions, I assume nothing more than that people act in their own self-interest. And it's probably not in the Canadian military's (laughs) self-interest to meet with neo-Nazis. Fair enough. Duly noted. Ish, here is a veteran CBC journalist Carol McNeil signing off for the last time. I believe strongly that as journalists, we are in service to you, the public. But the sand is shifting. You get so much information now, some of it wrong, some of it right, some of it meant to make you angry, some of it out of context, some weaponizes you, and some of you try to attack us personally, physically, even when we are doing our job. Not many, but some. You like it when someone is challenged, but not shamed or embarrassed. Yeah, so she went out with this message about how, like, the public sometimes attacks us journalists physically. And that goodbye note was cited by Brody Fenlon, Mm -hmm. who runs the news at CBC, as sort of a justification for what they're doing. Listeners may remember that I was critical of the CBC when they said, we're running an experiment. We're turning off comments on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And we're doing this for the well-being of our journalists, and we're doing this for the well-being of the discourse itself, for the sanctity of the public conversation. We're still going to use Facebook to push our content, but you can't talk about it on Facebook anymore. And this is just an experiment. Don't worry. It's just an experiment. We're just testing things. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is not an experiment. They're totally going to do this permanently. They haven't said what the experiment is. Mm -hmm. What are they testing for? What are the parameters? How are they going to measure it? Sure enough, they've just announced, yeah, it was a huge success. And now Facebook comments are off forever. And I still object to the language. You heard it there with Carolyn. Why why are you so against it? I didn't say that I'm against it. I sound like I'm against it. You you do sound like you're against it. I sound like I'm very against it. And I have I've big emotions about this. Okay. And, I, and I feel like the public broadcasters, like, we're, like, the way that they are describing people having the ability to talk about the news stories, which we're paying the CBC to write and publish. Mm-hmm. Like, Brody Fenlon, like, he serves us. He's supposed to be giving us news. And he goes, well, when we do share stories to Facebook, we spent a huge amount of time and effort cleaning up the sludge. And he refers to the muck. And this is like in the air. There's so much harassment. There's so much racism in the comments. There's so much bad stuff in the comments. And there is, but he conflates that with negative comments. He says, we also want to stop obnoxious. Like, oh, you don't, I can't be obnoxious anymore. Negative comments. 
fair. Okay, he's like, we're also, it's like this, we don't like your tone. You're too obnoxious. Your, your response to our news stories is obnoxious. It's negative and it's muck. It's like, it's like what you have to say about our news stories is shit and we're tired of cleaning it up. And I felt like they were using this notion of protecting journalists from harassment and abuse to shutting down like a lot of people have legitimate criticism yeah, I of the mean, CBC. Do you uh, do you go to the comment section often? No, no. Okay, I do. Yeah, and it's a cesspool. That's bad. I know. Yeah, no, no. But it, it is so. It, it is it it is not really productive. It's all very predictable. Yeah. Based on the headline, you just know what's going to be in that comment section, right? I know. I know. <laughs> and so, this is why, like, I saw when they did that experiment, and I was like, all right. Not a terrible idea. And, and and Facebook's like this unfettered place of, you know, is it a bot? Is it a real... Like, this is not a real public square. Well, I mean... You disagree. I can tell. <laughs> not really. Okay. Not really. I don't want to say I was wrong, because um, I don't like saying I was wrong. Uh, I think the decision to turn off the comments on Facebook is the right decision. Okay, I feel like I feel like it. it I have read those comments, mm -hmm. and it's pretty fucking low value discourse, for sure. And Every time, mm. no, no, like so during mm. during during the George you know, when George Floyd was the news all the time, the exact same narrative under CP twenty four stuff under all the news outlets, CBC, all of it. It was it was mostly he deserved to die. I think I can pull this off. I'm going to backtrack without admitting anything. Okay. okay? I think I can do it. I still hate this fucking tone from the CBC that we don't want to hear your negative. That's, he says that. We've been overwhelmed by negative comment. Like, I still feel like a public broadcaster has to be accountable. I just feel like if they had said, you know they what? They should have written it better. The lawyer should have written it much better. They, well, they shouldn't have lied. Like, they, yeah. sh they should have just said, but like, you know they, what? This is this is what they do. I right? don't it's like yeah. what, what can we say about this? And we're going to say that the least we can say. They're going to they're going to say we're testing yeah. and that way they can test the, the all they're testing is are they going to get their asses handed to yeah, them for this, you know? Yeah. If this blows up on our face, then we have an exit plan. Right. If if people are really angry and like, "Oh, uh, people are kind of cool with this and it's less work for us." And yeah, we don't like reading negative things about ourselves. So, if they had just said, "You know what?" The comments on Facebook are way dumber than the comments on the CBC website. And it is true that our journalists' quality of life is harmed by this. And uh, we're just tired of this. And yeah, we're still going to use Facebook for distribution and to boost our message. Like, they're still bragging. Like, we have, like, the biggest yeah, social media well, channels in the country, but the, we're but we're not going to let you talk back. Like, I don't know. If yeah, they had no, just I, been upfront about it. Yeah, of, of course. That is something we would love as journalists. But... That's just not the reality, <laughs> and I can appreciate that we would we would love it if they would do it that way. Yeah. Um, but let I'm me fucked. ask you this. I'm fucked. I, I let don't me ask have, this. Yeah. How would you? How would you have done it? Uh, well, I can tell you how we do it. We have the reverse going on here. I don't want to deal with like hosting hateful comments and right. having to moderate. We have no comments right. on our website. But if you were making the only place you can the only place you can comment on Canada Land is on like Facebook or Reddit or places like that. Right. So that's how we do it. Is we're just like it's not our problem because it's not on our platform. Right. You know. Fair enough. I'll try to do the honesty that I'm asking CBC to do. Like that is absolutely about us like not wanting to do that work. Right. I feel like we are pretty damn accountable. If you email us, we try to get back to you. We read everything you send. Yeah. We read those conversations on Facebook. And 
and write it, but we're a tiny company. We can't be like making sure that there's like sure. no racism or abuse on those Facebook channels, you know? Right. So we're just like, so, so do it your, over there. What is yeah. your thought? You think CBC invests money into moderating it properly? Uh, no, I think that in this case, to the extent that they are doing any comments anywhere, they have to moderate it. And I also, like, I have this longstanding complaint about how they've turned off comments on certain things on indigenous coverage. Yeah. So it's like comment sections on the CBC website is a service that the CBC provides. Yeah. A forum to talk about CBC journalism is a service that the CBC provides to all communities except for indigenous communities. That is fucked. That's an inequity. And I know there's a lot of indigenous people who like that decision, yeah. but that is an inequity. Yeah, that okay. is a, like, I, I can't get over that. No, I get that. So to the extent that they're offering comments, yes, they have to moderate them. And the Facebook thing is just unmoderatable. And I totally think that they made that. Damn it. <laughs> I can only win this if I make my complaint so minor and like fine grained that it's like, just like not even worth making. So uh, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> I concede. <Excellent>. Love it. <laughs> That <laughs> shortcuts. Thank you for joining me for it, Ish. My pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Uh, we're on Twitter at Canada Land. I can be emailed at jesse at canadaland.com, and I read everything that you send. Ish, where can people find you? People can find me on Twitter at legalishca, Instagram at legalish.ca, and uh, same, uh, you know, I guess, on LinkedIn. You can just search legalish and you can find me. Search for Legal Ish and read this piece in Toronto Life. It's worth your time. This episode is produced by Tiffany Lamb with additional production by Tristan Capicione. Our managing editor is Kieran Oudshorn. Theme music is by So Cold. Syndication is by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. Visit them online at CFUV.ca. If you liked this episode of Canada Land, if you think that we gave you something that you can't get somewhere else and you want to support it, we need your support to make Canada Land back happen and to make other things happen. Please click the link in the show notes or go to canadaland.com slash join. In France, in the 13th century, a teenager ascends the throne. He seems calm, collected, and as it happens, drop-dead gorgeous. But looks can be deceiving, and no one is ready for the death, destruction, and chaos that lie ahead. Step inside the reign of one of the Middle Ages' most cold-blooded rulers on This Is History presents The Iron King. Available wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Cruikshank. Jesse Cruikshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout. Because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>